fake, fake, fakety fake. Hi, I'm Jody. And I'm Vienno. And welcome to Imperial News, where I spend my whole week listening to the far-right podcast Rebel News, and then talk about the Pope with my friend Vienno. Yay, the papacy. Hell yeah. Catholicism. We're doing it. Our favorite things. We're covering it all, from Peter to Francis. (laughs) Every last Pope. Awesome. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's Catholicism. Are we going to talk about the, like, the anti-popes and, uh, you know, the the split between when there was a pope in Avignon or whatever in France and there was a pope in Rome and then there was also a pope in, like, Pisa, I think, at the same time? Sadly, no. Uh, all we will be covering is the current pope's apology tour in Canada is is what we'll be touching on. What's it got to apologize for? Uh, we'll, it's the Pope. We'll get to they it. They don't maybe. make mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> That's the whole thing. You know, I'm surprised. They're representatives of Christ on this earth. <laughs> now that you're doing it now, I'm surprised they didn't make that argument. <laughs> I'm being very honest. I'm so surprised that actually didn't come up. I wonder how many Catholics they have on staff, though. I feel like they're a pretty, like, prot workplace. I, f- I bet they have opinions on the Irish question. I know one for sure. And there's maybe a second, I think. But the one for there's sure, one. I'll just say it now, is Adam Seuss. He's Catholic? He's a Catholic boy. He has the most, like, Protestant vibes. I Yeah, especially because when he started out, he was covering a lot of uh, things that were happening to local Protestant churches. And so, not surprising, but... Uh, or, or it's kind of surprising that he is Catholic, but also when you know who Adam Seuss is, and so far he's been the only one who covers the anti-gay stuff, uh, you know. <laughs> yeah. Not that surprising. Exactly. Yeah. Sounds like a Baptist. Like. <laughs> well, I mean, and a, and a Catholic somewhat, you know. Old school Catholic, maybe? A conservative Catholic? Literally, no. My Nana is an old school Catholic. That shit is so much worse. <laughs> <laughs> but in a very different way. <laughs> Oh, fair. I do, I pers- you know, my grandma and grandpa were Catholics and uh, were the most liberal Catholics ever. So, <laughs> I think the funniest thing that Francis could do is arrive in the prairies, bang his staff on the ground, scream excommunicated, and just all the Catholic dioceses in Canada no longer recognized. <laughs> just abolishes the Catholic Church in Canada? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if they won't even do it for child molesters across the globe, <laughs> why would they do it over this? We'll uh, get to one, it. One, <laughs> they're about to be sued into oblivion. Okay. <laughs> Two. Yeah, this way they don't have to deal with it anymore. exist anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, you God. want apologies and reparations? Okay. <laughs> they changed Boom, their... Boom, excommunicated. <laughs> they, they changed their organization's <laughs> the name we're no longer the catholic church we're the yathlic church (laughs) we're not roman catholic we're broman (laughs) this is gonna be a weird episode oh dear lord 
Anyways, we'll get to it in the end. Uh, th- that was on their Friday episode, so we have a bit to go before we get into the Pope nonsense. But uh, yeah, this this episode's going to be a bit all over the place, but uh, it'll be some fun. I guess I didn't ask, how are you, Vienno? I guess a, a brief how are we's are in order. It's hot out. I think it's hot out everywhere. Um, I have to turn up my fan off for recording, uh, so that's that's how I'm feeling right now. It is How it is a you? hot human summer. Hot human? I, I realized as I said it, it sounds like humid and I had to clarify. But uh I'm I'm fine. I uh you know, I had a celebration of life for my grandparents who passed away uh this past year. It was the first time that we could get together to do that, uh since they passed away during COVID and that was much harder. And uh it was you know, nice getting to see my family and friends again, even though it was in a circumstance that's a, a little sad, but uh, but yeah, it was nice. So, all in all, good. We mi- I did miss the the pride parade locally though, but I, I heard you attended. So, I hope it was riveting. <laughs> it was very busy. I can say that. Like it was the most well attended one that I've ever seen by a pretty significant amount. And I wonder if part which of is that nice is, to see. Yeah, and I wonder if part of that too is just that we haven't had one in two years, you know. So it's like everyone's like, "Let's do it," and and yeah. and hopefully in reaction to some of the bullshit that's been going on as a show of solidarity, that would be nice too. Yeah, and you know, and we're gonna get to some of the reactionary shit that people are showing solidarity in the face of in a second. So we might as well get right to it. Hello, my rebels. Hello, my rebels. I'm a good boy. I'm a weirdo. This week, we're covering July 18th to July 22nd. And on the Monday, right away, Ezra just decides to open up with some blatant transphobia. So I'm going to play a clip right away, which just straight from the get-go, this is how he opens up the Monday show. Until a few years ago, if a man said he was a woman, that was considered a mental illness. Then in December of 2012, not even 10 years ago, a small committee of the American Psychiatric Association voted to stop calling transgenderism a mental illness. It had been the consensus of medical science that it was a mental illness called gender dysphoria. And you treated that illness. You tried to make someone better. You tried to make them abandon that idea. You wouldn't submit to it. You wouldn't abide it, abet it, reinforce it, condone it, celebrate it, and cut off their genitals or pump them through full of meds. No. But they literally edited the medical manual called DSM-5. That's the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual to Mental Disorders, the fifth edition. Did you know that medicine was done that way through votes? I didn't. What does he think peer review basically is too, though? And then there's also like something like, yeah, you're right, Ezra. A lot of medical diagnostic criteria for mental health stuff is pretty arbitrary and kind of bullshit and kind of made to, like, you know, pathologize and in some cases criminalize certain acts and behaviors. Huh. 
might call for some societal questioning of the bases of psychiatry and yada yada yada. Not that it was sudden, it was so holy yeah. <laughs> before the DSM-5, but they changed it. I just like that he takes issue with the fact that in some sense it's quote-unquote voted on but like what he's getting at is that like people who are appointed to be the sort of like the people who sort of edit and then decide how the dsm-5 gets shaped or whatever does does it through like committees where they sort of like decide on certain changes and whatnot and you hope that they're doing it based on new information or as the science evolves or whatever but like it is I mean, if you just think for a second, of course this has to be the way that it is. If you're making a book where you're writing things down as the, like, this is what we're deciding. <laughs> like, how else do you do that if not the group of people deciding this is where we're going to land on this issue? Jody, medical consensus is when one doctor says that vaccines don't work, actually. Um, <laughs> in case you didn't know. But... But notice how he even started this by saying that the pre there was a previous medical consensus that, tra well, as he puts it, transgenderism was a mental illness. But then it's like, if the consensus model was okay back then when they labeled this thing a mental illness, why is it not okay now when they realized that that previous decision was due to bigotry and bias and not a real, like, medical diagnosis, you know? It's just so, like, he's, it's, I don't know how to put it, because, like, you you don't want to say, uh, in terms of, like, lawsuits or anything, that, like, he actually thinks this. But he's holding such disparate thoughts in his brain, like, at the same time, that, like, I'm, I'm surprised he doesn't just implode due to cognitive dissonance. <laughs> and yet, he is so immune to that, that he could just say this shit and then just steam... Steam forward. Right ahead. Yep. Voting on medical decisions, Jesus. I, I will say, too, like, I mean, it's pretty obvious, like, what has changed. Like, for example, not every trans person has dysphoria. And dysphoria is a condition you can treat. But then it's like, there's ways of going about, like, claiming that something is an illness rather than say societal societal expectations of how sh people should be are what is causing the discomfort in people rather than their own feelings about themselves you know yeah no and like claiming that the treatment for dysphoria was basically conversion therapy is also a little bit like yeah of an interesting denial of like how that stuff worked like where does he think that like developments for like hrt and for like transition surgeries and everything like that came from if not through the like kind of medicalized and pathologized understanding of trans people that you know dominated mental health professions and everything like that for decades prior like no, just I, <laughs> none of it's real none of it's true none but, of it's but how you it know works. like it can't be that like the concern here is the well-being of the the person the trans person right because like if that were the case then you would be like let's do whatever we can to help that person but he's just like 
no, all those treatments are like bad because it's a mental illness and we need to like convert them, you know, like as if that's the treatment when it's like, no, that's not, it's not how this works. You know, it's your now, like, that's why things are changing because people realized that that attitude is you expressing your religious fundamentalist bias onto other people. Rather than just letting medical scientists go, how can we help these people? And frankly, if somebody does not feel like they are the gender they were assigned at birth, I don't give a shit. Let them find out how they want to identify and be, and let's. Why, that doesn't affect me. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's just ridiculous. But that's how he starts it off. So we're in. We're in for a great episode, <laughs> and. Uh, it becomes most of this episode, this Monday episode in particular, becomes like this list of just him going through like a litany of like grievances he has with the trans community or trans people. And I, I sort of decided against uh, clipping most of it just because like it would be me trying to censor him dead naming and misgendering constantly. But we, I will go through some of like the the main points and then I'll play at least uh, one or two more clips. Uh, at least, because just worth to see some some of how his argument is going here. But Ezra moves from this opening to then talking about how the government is now saying that uh, taking puberty blockers is a positive right. And I, I don't really know what he means by positive right, other than it's like, it's your right to get medical treatment. <laughs> but apparently it's, it's a positive right now that uh, kids are being prescribed puberty blockers. And he placed this clip of a Biden appointee to some government body saying that we need to support people's gender identities. And this is evidence that we're just like giving children tons and tons of puberty blockers. Uh, a Biden appointee saying we need to respect people's gender identity. <laughs> and I mean, he moves it. I guess like what he's trying to paint a picture here of is this idea that like, trans identity is now this like trendy thing uh which is why they're just throwing puberty blockers and then he plays a clip of bill maher the comedian uh well I, maybe comedian in scare quotes would be better <laughs> but a comedian who has made it his thing to like crap on trans people recently and he says in this clip bill maher does that it's clearly a trend because there's more trans kids in California than there are trans kids in Ohio. At least that's his claim. I don't know that if it's if it's true, but even if it were true, that doesn't necessarily point to like some social contagion trendy thing. That that is how population statistics often work too, right? Like, oh, you're saying that there are more people of a certain group in the place with, you know, hundreds of times more people. <laughs> but even like, whoa. <laughs> but even if he meant per capita, like he doesn't say per capita, he doesn't even give statistics, right? This is Bill Maher yeah. just speaking off of his fucking small sized brain. But he, <laughs> he, like, 
even if it was per capita, you could say something like, maybe people in California are culturally more prone to accept trans people. So there might be actually similar numbers of trans people in both California or and in Ohio, except in Ohio, they don't have the community there to like care for them or like accept them when they do decide to come out as trans, et cetera, right? Mm-hmm. Now, like, so it's like, just because there might exist disparities between different places does not mean that it's like in California, they're just like, hi, son, do you want to be trans? <laughs> like whatever, <laughs> whatever they think is tr- being trans is cool, kids. Everybody be trans. Like, no, actually in, um, California, they don't have army recruiters. They have <laughs> trans recruiters. Part of me is like, uh, I wouldn't even care if that was the case. Like, <laughs> Just yeah, why not? No, just it would be around. objectively better than army recruiting. Yeah. Like. <laughs> but like, even like, because like, if you pin on this and just go like, okay, so what would the problem be if you had people going around trying to like convince people to be trans? What I, I'm just curious, what is the problem with that? Um, it's a return to um, the ancient um, <laughs> Central Asian religions where they. <laughs> had the trans women priestesses uh and uh, american america will not stand for that because um they have to be christian trans people if they're if they're gonna exist i mean <laughs> you're you're silly enough to <laughs> come and decide i mean the christian point is uh, operative though because it's like they only find this repugnant because in their minds like trans is essentially bad Otherwise, why would it matter if you like, like if we just convinced people to be like gay, for example, why would that be an issue? Why not? Let's get, let's convince people to give it the old college try. (laughs) Go out there and be gay. Like, why would that be a problem? Unless you think that there's something wrong with being gay. And that's all that like, and it's the same thing with trans issues, right? It's the same thing. It's like, there is no problem with these things. The only problem is that you have a problem with it. And I don't give a shit about you, Ezra. It's, it is kind of just great replacement theory too, right? Like, it's oh, you know, they're all gonna trans us, and uh, then the non-whites will take over. Like, it is, it's the usual like white supremacist bullshit that's peddled by these people, and it's kind of like par for the course in so many ways. They're just, uh, they're coming to, I mean, and they're silencing us just like they silenced poor Jordan P, Jor, Jordan B. Peterson and uh, <laughs> Maddie Walsh are both getting kicked off things. And uh, Ezra even plays the entire trailer to Matt Walsh's new movie. And not to comment on it, but just, I guess, to promote it and then go, yeah, that's good. And so for yeah. those... <laughs> For those of you who don't know, Matt Walsh made a movie called What is a Woman? And he just goes around asking people what what their definition of woman is. And there was a great clip that was going around where one of the people he interviewed, who was like a gender studies professor of some kind, and this person just responded, uh, someone who identifies as a woman, which is what I would give as an answer. And yet, for some reason, that like is not a satisfactory answer to people because... They're transphobic. <laughs> and if you want, like, you, you, 
his explanation in the video is, is pretty clear, the, the professor person. So if you find that clip, give it a, a go. But I mean, it's pretty like I think the issue is that some people struggle to find like there's going to be some you need to come up with some super specific definition that is like the essential def definition of like womanhood that's non-circular and just like is the most reductive best sort of definition and it's like there are no definitions like this so why are we demanding it for womanhood <laughs> you know what, what is yeah what is the definition of bird what's the most reductive definition of bird and it's like so you'd be like oh there are things that fly nope okay ostriches don't fly or it's like or it's like how do you delineate birds from other birds or when when is something a bird-like thing or a dinosaur-like thing and you got all these gradations and it's like yeah, okay. Life's messy. Why are we hyperfixating on a stupid fucking definition? Because everything must be categorized and controlled, Jody. That's right. Since the, the Big Bang happened, it was like everything must be defined. Yes. Because nature really cares about how we personally categorize everything. Yes. The The personification of nature found in the Bible. Yeah. Well, I mean like it's it's silly, but it it does always come down to religious fundamentalism, which is where a lot of this comes from, including Jordy B. Peterson. Even though uh, a lot of people, for some reason, thought he was some like I don't know weird secular was like a new atheist guy. Yeah, like yeah, but no, and like so much of it comes down to like you know capitalism's need to clearly delineate like everything as well right everything must be shoved into its little box so you can determine if it's worthy of existence or not based on the needs of profit like you know there's a there's a reason that social media companies love to just like like there was that case of um google not long ago um excluding um a lot of advertisements for like job applications and a bunch of other stuff to non-binary people or people who didn't list their gender because that is something that Google wants the data on so that they can collect information better and therefore do better advertising and sell your data to other places better as well. And so by refusing to participate in that, you are no longer useful to capital. And so you don't get the same access as everybody else like it's all so much of our society is based off of this kind of just like need for these delineated categories so when you challenge them it ultimately comes down to challenging existing society and conservatives don't like that <laughs> yeah that's that's we need to slay the dragon of chaos <laughs> I mean, it's funny because, like, you just go to the bare bones of what Peterson was saying, even back in his, like, earliest book, was we need order and chaos is bad. And that is mm -hmm. that is essentially all that it comes down to. It's like the, the world can't be messy. It needs to be in neat, ordered categories or else, like, I don't know, enemy kicks in and we're just now nihilistic creatures not knowing how to live our lives. And it's like, I don't know. Things are still fun. I don't need the world to be perfectly clean cut and orderly. <laughs> but uh, he defends Peterson and all that shit, but then moves on. So I guess the, the main reason he wanted to talk about this stuff 
is because there was this article published in the New York Post. You know, great, great newspaper, the New York Post. And in, I'm being sarcastic here. If someone didn't pick up on that, the New York Post sucks. So <laughs> they published an article that was about a trans woman who was the inmate of a prison in New Jersey who got two other uh, women in the prison pregnant. Now, the thing that kind of fascinates me about this story is that Ezra is talking about it, but at no point does he, like, I get the vibe that what he's trying to sort of like paint is the the similar picture, which is that a trans woman in a woman prison means rape, usually. That's usually the sort of like lines that they, they go on, which is why, you know, these evil... Uh, men pretending to be women get into the the women's prison and are now going to do damage or something. The thing is, though, this narrative doesn't accurately apply to the situation, in part because every single party involved in this situation said everything was consensual. They The other two parties were also inmates and also said that they consented to what happened. The other thing, too, is like, Oh, you're against sexual violence in prisons. Okay, abolish prisons. Like, it's just such a, like, stupid argument to go for when you're making it from a pro-prison position still, too. Because it's like, oh, wow, if only we accurately, you know, delineated who goes in what prison, then they would just be enacting sexual violence on themselves. Or on, you know, people exactly like them, or whatever. Like, it just, it's such a, like, baffling way to look at it, and a ba- just, like, the weirdest thing to focus on in uh, all of this. Well, it gets really messed up, too, because, and, and I'll get to, to a second to why these, or this person in particular is in prison in a second, and their name is Demi, but the... The other thing that's interesting is Demi filed a complaint about actual sexual harassment that they received from a prison guard, and that process like was substantiated, but the person still works at the prison. Meanwhile, they have her in solitary confinement because she consensually impregnated two other inmates. And 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 part of that is because in their minds, it's illegal for them to engage in sexual activity while in prison. So she committed a crime by consensually having sex in prison, which is forbidden by law. Yet the person who is actually definitively sexually harassing her and documented so by the prison itself, they're still allowed to work at the prison while she sits in solitary confinement. Like, there's so, like, and Ezra touches on none of this, right? Like, I went down this rabbit hole reading this case. And even, like, Demi's life story is, like, tragic. And, like, I don't know all the ins and outs. But from what I understand is she committed uh, homicide. I think she was eventually convicted for manslaughter because she murdered her foster father when she was 16. And she admits now that... uh 
her foster father didn't do anything wrong, but she had sort of like blamed him for the other abuse that she was receiving at the time while in foster care. And so it's just a really tragic story. From what yeah. I understand, she's trying to turn her life around. Now, she's a human being. She had sex with two consenting people in prison. And I find it's a little fucked up that like, like that somehow you could constrain you you put all these people in a room i mean people are having lesbian sex in that prison as well but of course that's not going to result in pregnancy and no one's going to find she out she also had lesbian sex to but, be fair true true yeah but, i meant know, cis yeah. lesbian sex yeah yeah no like it's all arbitrary and you know stupid that's the prison system and and Ezra would never cover this if this person or if like, you know, two uh, cis lesbian women in prison were caught having consensual sex. Ezra would never cover that because it wouldn't matter. You know, I mean, he also wouldn't cover it if it were a prison guard who had impregnated. Yeah. The two inmates like it's. You know, the structures of power are not the ones that are being analyzed here. It's purely for transphobia. Yeah. And and Ezra focuses on the fact that Demi is in there for manslaughter, but doesn't tell you, uh, again, does not give you the story that I gave you about the foster care system and all that. Uh, and so it's like he's he, he mainly brings up these little pieces to try to paint a picture of here is this evil trans person who is convicted of manslaughter and therefore somehow then magically these two people got pregnant and that's bad it, almost implying that it was non-consensual right because like this is an evil person They're, they committed manslaughter now the words don't come out of his mouth but like what other implication are you supposed to get from that other than this is clearly like people who are the victims of this like trans predator in prison, you know? Yeah. It's just super gross, but like, yeah. And and the reason why I didn't want to clip any of that, because like the whole piece of him going over this is completely riddled with, again, dead naming, misgendering and all that shit. So, but uh, if you, if you want to see in context, you can go and listen to their Monday, July 18th episode and find the clips all you want. Don't do that. <laughs> I wouldn't recommend it. Let's <laughs> I'm just saying, in fairness, in case you're like, oh, this Jody person might be taking them out of context. <laughs> See, I think the response to that is stop listening to us. Yeah. I don't like <laughs> we do not want you if you're sympathetic to rebel. Like yeah. what? Jody, what person are you inventing in your head <laughs> that is listening to this show? You made it through the Catholic <laughs> bit in the intro. <laughs> Well, yeah, well, true. Fair, you know what? Fair enough. We we did yeah. uh, we did preempt it. We safeguarded ourselves by having that intro. So yeah, we just need to have weird <laughs> <laughs> making fun of Christians at the beginning every episode. Anyways, so Ezra then lists another example of a problem he perceives with trans people, and this. Uh, <laughs> I get it. So there is there is some dead naming in this. Uh, I might blank it out when I get to the editing stage. But this is just embarrassing for this being a problem with trans people. So let me let me just play the clip. This isn't about equality anymore, is it? It wasn't for a very long time. 
How does it work, though, when everyone starts calling men women? I mean, what if describing someone as they actually are is important? Like this, just for one quick example. News release. Missing woman, Ryerson Avenue and Bathurst Street area, Isabella DeGrasse, 27. So if you actually wanted to find this person who seems to be called Isabella DeGrasse, if this person is missing and you want to tell the public who to look for, why would you say missing woman? That is, if you're actually trying to find them, as opposed to show how exquisitely politically correct you are. You got a full beard. Now, this person says he's a woman. He's obviously not. He might say he's a, a woman. He might even think he's a woman, believe it, but he's not a woman. And you're trying to find this person. You probably shouldn't say it either. I'm no scientist, but I know that. What? Well, you know, like, if- <laughs> does it give a descriptor beyond woman so you know and presumably there was a picture considering he talked about a beard how what more do you need you have a name you have what they look like how do you find anyone with just a a gender description yeah the missing person is a woman okay how the hell do i find them (laughs) what do they look Um, like Jody, I'm just going to ask 50% of every person that I know. Just going to go around door to door being like, hey, woman, are you missing? And then eventually everybody, if everybody does that, we'll find them. Like it's, come on, think for a second, Jody. I have to say, I, I've listened to this clip several times now. And one thing that actually stood out to me this time while listening to it was actually how kind of weird it is that... Ezra mentions this person's name and says that they're missing. And yet he's talking about them as if like, like what, like what has happened to this person? I almost feel bad. Like I want to know why are they missing? Have they been found? Are they hurt? Like, you know, I have so many like personal questions about this person's well-being, And he's fixated at the fact that like, they were trans, and yet the only picture they had displayed to tell people, like, how to look for them, they, they had a beard. And maybe they had a beard and they wanted to go by she, her pronouns. Like, who the fuck cares? But that's what you're fixating on while this person's missing? Like, it's really kind of fucked up. <laughs> yeah. And I even tried looking for, I'd like, you know, he could be pronounce, pronouncing the name incorrectly. Like, I tried to look for... Uh, Ryerson, Isabella, and, and couldn't find who this story. If it even is real in the end, like I have, I have no fucking clue. But like, if if this person really is like missing, wouldn't you have like more consideration or care or concern about a human being missing rather than the fact that oh no, when they ask you to search for them, they used their preferred pronoun. Ah, the horror. No, Jody. When have they ever cared about another human being? <laughs> like, no, I know, but I think that's actually why I wasn't. It, this thought never initially occurred to me because, of course, they don't give a shit. You know? Yeah. It's just like, but like, I just wanted to make sure. Like, I'm not to poison my own brain like holy shit like what has happened to this person and this is how you're just using them in your fucking show 
as this like weird plot point while they're missing. Hopefully they're found. The next weird point that Ezra wants to bring up is I guess in America there was some Breitbart news story that showed a vignette from some sort of like military slide that suggested that shower facilities are to be used by people by their like preferred gender identity. And part of me is like, I like, I'm not a military person. I get the image that Ezra is trying to conjure is like one of these like old school like shower things where it's all like open concept and like everyone's in the room and just like Yeah, like Starship Troopers yes. but gender segregated. And when I'm reading when I was reading the, the rest of the Breitbart article, like even I didn't get that feeling <laughs> from that depiction. It sounded to me like they were saying like in like to go to use the individual shower facilities in like the restrooms. And then I'm just like, that, that, sure. They even had a stipulation where it's like people shouldn't be bothered for their own like modest decisions. Like if they want to like not change in front of, the, front of other people or something like, yeah, of course, like, don't harass people for their own decisions on like how to present themselves to other people. Like, I don't know. Like all of this seems like common sense that the, <laughs> the military is doing this. I wish that this would destroy the military from the inside. Well, like part of me though is also like, I wonder if this comes from their own sort of like hazing culture and other shit. Like it's, it doesn't even necessarily have to be some sort of like, trans specific issue but more just like the issue of people being harassed in the military through like the hazing and stuff that well at least used to be in pop culture back in the day that i and i'm sure it comes from some kind of reality no like between that the rampant cultures of sexual violence in western military militaries in general like you know you can look to the canadian military as at least one where a lot of that keeps coming out you know everywhere else probably covers it up a little bit better um we just kept the canadian military just keeps accidentally being like oh shit we promoted another rapist um but you know that the recruitment crisis like yeah the u.s cannot get personnel so so they gotta widen to to their yeah <laughs> yeah they have to widen and like change their cultures in order to like try to meet any sort of recruitment goals which they probably still won't do like whoa you're saying that in order to you know change military culture they have to do things differently they're not just doing things in a like projected vietnam war era way anymore no, I mean, like, he even makes the framing that, like, in them doing this in the, the washrooms by making them, like, inclusive, that that means that China's now winning. China is now not afraid of us because we allowed trans people to use the showers of their preferred gender. True. You're welcome, China. <laughs> we did it for you. Uh... <laughs> That was always the goal. So the last clip I'm going to play is that he then complains about Leah Thomas, uh, who's the swimmer 
that won a couple times and winning a couple times while trans must mean that you uh, are unfair and that you specifically transition just to win races against women, which is always the yes. sort of talking point. But Ezra wants to talk about Leah today because Leah is nominated for an NCAA Award for Woman of the Year. And of course, the mere fact of this nomination means the end of women's sports and all that shit. Where I'm like, go Leah, I hope you win, have fun. I wish they would bring up Chelsea Manning more on Rebel. You know, like I wanna I wonder <laughs> what like traits they would invent that are like I'm <laughs> only men can blow whistles. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm more terrified of Keffels eventually coming up on Rebel. <laughs> that yeah, that's seems only more likely time. to be. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, she already has interactions with uh Ian Miles Chong, who does And Lauren for Southern, Rebel. yeah. Although Lauren Southern and Rebel had a falling out or whatever, but they're vaguely associated still. Yeah. But anyway, so Leah Leah wins this award, and so Ezra says that that Leah winning this award is proof that men are starting to have more rights than women. Now, he doesn't explain that, but I'm going to start this clip. And at the beginning of the clip, you'll hear him say, uh, uh, <laughs> you'll hear him sort of introduce it as if he, he made that claim. He, and, but then it's like, he doesn't answer it. But then he goes on to give like another additional explanation of why it is that men now have more rights than women. And it's not good, <laughs> but I'll, I'll let you be the judge of that. So here we go. If you tell a woman she is not a woman, that's not a crime. That's not an offense. That's just rude. You're not going to get banned anywhere. If you call a woman not a woman, she has no rights other than to ignore you or laugh at you. But if you say that a man like Leah Thomas or that bloke the Toronto police were looking for, or that killer in New Jersey jail, if you say that those men are not women, well, they have rights a real woman does not. You can get fined or jailed or fired or disciplined by the army or whatever, banned from social media, of course. Men now have more legal and political rights than women to be called women. It's not funny. It's not sane. It was a joke briefly. Now it's the law. If I were to repeatedly call a cis woman a man, even after they tell me to stop, would that be okay in our society? Or could I be legally sanctioned? <laughs> I think it would definitely approach harassment. It like, would be gendered harassment. We do, have, we do have laws about that. You know? we There are anti-discrimination laws. Uh, they may be inadequate. But they are present. And there are also laws against harassment, also inadequate, but present. Like the law, this is the interesting thing, is the law doesn't say that the the issue with misgendering, or the issue is misgendering a trans person. 
the the all the framework has to do with like gender or sex based rights, and in that it's just misgendering can be harassment, and that would be the case whether it's specifically trans individuals or cis individuals. Like I like it still is harassment to do that to either or. Like I don't know if there's a specific like carve out for the law that like. Misgendering a cis person is perfectly okay. You could go, <laughs> go ahead and do it. It's just like, oh my god. And the fact that he frames this is like, therefore, now men have more rights than women. <laughs> god damn it. Like, this topic makes their brains melt. I don't, like, how do... <laughs> How does this happen? Yeah. No, and it kind of just makes mine melt in response because I'm like, what are you saying? Like, I just. Like, it's kind of like why this whole issue is like stupid. Like, it's clear that like they there is no ground to stand on here. Whenever he does these pieces that are like transphobic, it's him just like picking up a bunch of scraps that are like that don't hold together to, into some coherent narrative. It's just like here's a thing that I don't like. Here's a thing that I don't like. Like and like none of it is coherent. But there you have it. I will say before we move on as well, we had covered this last week, which was that an individual had interrupted a pride event in London, Ontario, uh, and we had commented on that. But what we didn't know at the time and what we soon found out afterwards was that the individual told CBC when asked about the incident that you should go to Rebel News for the truth. And so the one thing that I want to highlight here, which we were kind of hinting at last episode, because last episode that we recorded, there was a lot of transphobia last week as well. And there's transphobia this week. And people who are going out. So what this guy did, and we have better information now, he basically went in his pickup truck, started to harass them, got out, and then was swinging a two-by-four at them at this Pride event before he was then arrested. And then told you to go watch Rebel News. And also said, I'm not homophobic. By the way, I'm not homophobic. It's just that these people over here are groomers, and I need to hit them with a two-by-four. And go go watch (sighs) Rebel News, by the way. Yeah. So what is happening here is like the definition of stochastic terrorism. Like Ezra doesn't have to say to anyone, go out there and commit a crime. But the people listening to his show are getting the message. Mm -hmm. They're getting the message loud and clear. And so I just wanted to like point that out. It's, It's not just covering this. It's just like what he's doing here is having an effect. Yeah. No. And like, I don't know. I think we touched on it last week a bit too, but like how quickly it is translating into the real and how aggressively and violently like all of these things are moving from online spheres or media spheres because you know tucker carlson and like the legacy media uh are still like playing a huge role in this too but like how quickly it's translating from you know media sources to real life violence like the number of attacks that have happened that are basically like along the same lines, some more successful than others, like is really fucking scary. 
And like, you know, so far as I know, people haven't died in attacks yet. But that is a very like, like it's coming. You know? It's a real possibility. I mean, that's that's the, you know, and, and thankfully, like the incident here, the, was it like you know, it was only with the two by four, and like no one was seriously hurt. You know, but it, it could be next time. What if like you know, in America, the guy didn't have a two by four in his truck, but he had a, a gun. Mm-hmm. And it was just in the right mood, you know? So it's, uh, yeah, this is part of why it's like, I think it's important to know what people are being fed constantly. And people who subsist on a diet of this, like like this whole, so far, all of like the points that we've talked about of what Ezra covered on a show in just one day is just one transphobic thing after another about how they're like trying to indoctrinate kids, feed them all these like puberty blockers and they're trying to change what it means to, and like they're taking rights away from women and they're giving, like he's he's putting this all out there and then people are listening to it and reacting to it. And it's not good. Nope. So yeah. Just thought that it's worth highlighting before we move on to the rest of the show, which is going to be, I mean, we are going to eventually get to some genocide denial, so it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't necessarily go uphill, but, you know. It never gets better. <laughs> so at the end of this uh, episode, so we, we finish with the transphobia, we then get to the interview segment, and it's with uh, his reporter, Lincoln Jay, who was with Louis Brackpool, their other employee, and they're over in the Netherlands talking about these farm protests. We've already covered the ins and outs, and so we won't necessarily go over that again. You can just listen to our past two episodes about what's happening in the uh, Netherlands. However, uh, Lincoln wants to talk about why uh, this is going to be bad that farmers might lose some of their land. So like a a little bit of details before going into this, part of what the Dutch government is doing is they want to reduce the amount of farmland that certain uh, ranchers have because they want to cut back on nitrogen pollution, which is damaging their country's environment, but also the rest of the world's. So here's here's why uh, Lincoln thinks this is going to be bad. One of the questions I ask is, what do the farmers do if they are out of business, if these new environmental policies wipe them out? What do they do? Because it's not just about money for them, right? It's a way of life. They don't know anything different. So to my surprise, a lot of the people here in Amsterdam actually understood that. But there's definitely, definitely people, as you will see in the video, that just think, do something else. Find another job. We spoke to somebody that was an, I- an IT guy. And he said, yeah, that's what I do. They can get into IT. I just don't think that they totally understand uh, the way of life for the farmers. And and the fact of the matter is, is that I've mentioned it before. These farmers, you know, a lot of them, it's been in their bloodline. The land has been in their bloodline. The work has been in their bloodline for generations. And now the government basically just wants them to give it up. So it's so easy for some people to say, yeah, just find something else to do. But it's, it's just simply not the case. Farming's in their bloodlines. I do have like sympathy for that like it is you know this is kind of the classic like 
primary accumulation type shit, right? Where it's like you throw people off of the land and into the cities and force them to engage in wage labor. Like, you know, and it is a major cultural adjustment and like all of these sorts of things. And it fucking sucks. But like, maybe reduce the size of your farms and, you know, find ways of doing things that aren't like, you know, these huge agribusinesses and like those kinds of things rather than like be reliant on uh, over fertilizing forever. You know, like there are ways of moving to different ways of existing that aren't like either abandoning farming and you know if you're talking about farming being in your family for generations chemical fertilizers have only existed for around a century do what your fucking ancestors did then like you know like there are i don't know like, like it's it's difficult right like it sucks but it's also just like the way you're going about it also sucks no, I, I agree with you in that, like, if someone has been doing a job their whole life, like, it's it's hard for anyone in a position like that to somehow, like, just uproot themselves and do something else when they've been used to doing something for such a long time. It's not impossible, but, like, I can understand the sort of, like, in a perfect world, why there, were, why there would still be resistance to that, you know? Yeah. But then, they're, like, it's just the way that they always talk about this, and it's it's... To me, the fascinating part that it's always about careers that are going away due to climate change. You never hear this when it comes to like factories closing and like moving away. I was just thinking about right? that. It's too, not yeah. like uh, the cereal making <laughs> manufacturing is in their bloodlines, you know? So like. <laughs> Factory work is in my bloodline, yeah. Jody. But it's always farming and oil men. Because, like, immediately when Lincoln Jay was done talking about this, Ezra went on his whole thing about, like, how oil men are the exact same. Like, it's in it's in their blood. It's their, their genetically oil men. <laughs> you cut me, I bleed factories. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's like it's always the, the ones, the jobs that are going to be implicated by climate change are the ones that just, you can't get rid of them because these people are just genetically predisposed <laughs> to do these climate-destroying jobs. And that's the thing that gets me because it's like, no, I mean, even, even in the worst case scenario, and, and let's say we have no policies in place to make these people's lives better who might lose those jobs, what, what we're going to have these few people who work in these fields keep those jobs at the cost of our planet and we all die? Like I like the, the cost benefit analysis. It's like, I'm, I'm sorry things suck for you, but like. What we all have to die just so you can do the job that you want to do? <laughs> like it's just at the end of the day, even like that ba- base reasoning just seems so absurd to me. Yeah, and like it's also just a hmm, maybe switch away from the kind of agriculture that you are doing to something better. Yeah, like I don't know, it's. You can see similar, like, arguments with, like, ending migrant labor or, like, the reliance of on migrant labor for, like, agriculture in North America. You know, if we were to just, like, be chill in the cities and, like, 
send people out into the countryside to do the harvesting and then come back. Like one, we wouldn't be relying on this kind of like exploited underclass that has no rights and, you know, is left to die whenever there's anything going wrong. Like, you know, the arguments would be about like, oh, we're going to be getting rid of jobs or, oh, you're going to be increasing costs for farmers or, and you know, farmers meaning landowners, right? Because that's always who they mean is people who own huge amounts of land and, you know, claim the profits from other people doing the actual work. <laughs> like, Well, that's what I was going to say. It's probably not the people who own the farms that are going to be, like, losing out here. It's the people employed to do the picking or the, uh, you know, maintenance of the, the cattle and whatnot. Yeah. But, uh, yep. They're, they're just, it's in their bloodlines. It's <laughs> once, you know, 300 years ago, someone was working on cattle and, and then just through acquired characteristics like Lamarckian evolution, th- their ancestors just had to be cattle ranchers afterwards. No, no change. It's in the bloodlines now. Yeah. You touch a cow once <laughs> you become brothers with the cow and you pass on that brotherhood to all of your children. Yep. I bl- That's I- why Stephen Harper gets to wear a cowboy hat. Yeah. <laughs> Transitive powers of cowboys. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so the the last thing I want to play from this is Lincoln and Ezra then start to talk about the, you know, World Economic Forum conspiracy stuff and how... I guess the World Economic Forum is going to do something similar in Canada that they're doing in the Netherlands, apparently. And Lincoln says they're going to justify what they're going to do based on the climate crisis, which arguably is what they're kind of doing in the Netherlands as well. And this is how Lincoln then addresses whether there's, in fact, a climate crisis. People are worried that this is going to come to their country. You know, I know Canadians are worried that Justin Trudeau is going to follow these exact same policies and implement them in Canada. And the government justifies it as they're fighting climate change. It's the right thing to do. But who knows if that's the case? I think it's just an excuse to do whatever they want to do and follow through with whatever agendas they have. Yeah. And it's very, very strange to see the similarities between Mark Ruda and Justin Trudeau. But like you said, they're young global leaders with the World Economic Forum. I think all the writing's on the wall. You know, it could be due to climate, but who knows? <laughs> I ostensibly labeled a journalist for a media corporation could investigate that question. But who really knows if it has anything to do with the climate? They're so dumb. Like, I just got nothing. Like, I think I brought this up last week, too, where, like, World Economic Forum for them is becoming this, like, stand-in. So it's, like, the same here. It's, like, so they're going to do the same thing in Canada, and they're going to say it's because of the climate, but really it's because of their World Economic Forum agenda. And it's, like, or it's because of the climate. Like, I, <laughs> like 
You could like, if anything, that's the point where you probably should address it or get into the weeds a bit to sort of prove that like either the climate thing isn't real. But it's weird. Like they used to be more into that kind of stuff when I first started doing this podcast. Where like when it came to climate change, they would like quibble with like it's really solar flares or like you know they would try to do that kind of stuff. Now they're just under the assumption that climate change isn't real. They don't even try to defend it anymore. Jody, haven't you noticed? Nothing's been hotter. Yeah, but like, what, what even the same is nitrogen? Forever. <laughs> nitrogen is already in the air, Jody. What could it be doing that would hurt us? And, may- and maybe it is climate change, but who really knows? Who, who knows? <laughs> who knows? I don't know. I don't know. I don't, Do you know? I, I don't, don't even know. have, you know, temperature. Uh, <laughs> temperature sensors on my skin i just you know I don't, I don't even know what it feels like at all times i'm completely devoid of feeling what is temperature i have to i have to look up a live stream of the city streets where i live uh in order to tell myself how to dress because i just i don't know temperature yeah <laughs> fair so moving on we got july 19th we're on the wednesday or no this is the tuesday jesus that first day what a what a trip uh the 19th nothing happens so ezra's whole opening segment is again he's like on his ethical oil kick thing and the argument is we shouldn't be getting our oil from russia we need to get it from the tar sands cool i don't really care uh moving on then then for the interview segment they have on this guy named franco terrazano who is again the tax canadian taxpayer federation dude and I, I constantly I hate his segments. He says absolutely nothing every time he's on. It's just basically, did you know, Ezra, that taxes are bad? And it's like, and then he'd be like, oh yes, Franco, I agree, taxes are bad. Great, great conversation. Uh, this time it's about how gas taxes are the things that are like ruining everything. So the fact that we tax gas is just it's cause for inflation. It's cause for everything. Everything that's wrong is because of gas taxes. And I just want to say uh, it's something worth pointing out, which is that they always go on and on about the World Economic Forum conspiracy, et cetera, et cetera, which like the threads connecting it to like everyone else are always so like tenuous and like thin. Uh, mainly because it seems to be some sort of like TED Talk esque organization where people just discuss like global policy. However, it is worth noting that the Atlas Network is what uh, is one of the biggest funders for the Taxpayer Federation, and the Atlas Network primarily gets its funding from Exxon Mobil and uh, the Koch brothers. So you know two. Large oil company. I, I will say as well, they get their money as well from Philip Morris because the Atlas Network also dumps into companies that try to deny the you know problems with smoking. So that's fun as well. But like that's that's Jody, the- <laughs> what's wrong with smoking? <laughs> that's a uh, well, you know, there's this little thing called lung cancer and uh, other types. I've never of- heard of that. <laughs> it's because of the Atlas Network. That's why you've never heard of it. <laughs> I don't know, Jody. I can we say that smoking causes lung cancer? Yes, I don't know if we can. I don't know. <laughs> but it's it's like funny to like we always talk about projection and all this shit. But it's like they're the people who just like they're they're getting dumped on just tons of money from like oil and gas companies. And it's worth noting that like 
you know, the Fraser Institute, which Ezra comes out of, also got a bunch of Atlas Network funding. Uh, I think they even might leave, be even more related to the Atlas Network in terms of, like, their creators and stuff like this. Uh, but, like, all of this shit's connected. The, the point is, like, oil companies are just dumping money into this fucking programming. And yet they want you to, like, be afraid of the World Economic Forum. But trust them. But trust them when they come to about climate change stuff. Ezra knows what he's talking about. It's clearly not bias. It's not like, you know, oil companies have ever invested in anything he's ever done. I want Ezra to start smoking. Yep. <laughs> I want Ezra to start being sponsored by cigarette companies. Oh, my God. Camel Joe, baby, Camel Joe. <laughs> Joe Camel. Why they make smoking <laughs> illegal for kids? Well, you, I've never heard him talk about vaping ever. Like, that's that's a huge topic about whether or not there's health issues there. And, like, the extent to which the tobacco industry is, again, doing similar moves where they're trying to cover shit up or whatever. But that's never come up on his show, no? See, I wanted to do one of those, like, when he gets, like... You know when he gets mad and, like, really raises his voice and, like, tries to be really dramatic? I wanted to do that about how kids should be able to vape. Yeah. Like... <laughs> vape nation. Yeah. Oh my God. So that, <laughs> so that was July 19th. We're now on to the Wednesday, which was July 20th. And Ezra talks about the media covering a Trudeau press tour. And he's mad because the, the media is so, so light and easy on Trudeau. And it's like, it's, he's just, touring and and being a politician by shaking people's hands and like there's like one cbc story he focuses on where the reporter talks about like the interaction trudeau had while purchasing like a bag of cherries and like ezra's like oh my god like how how dare the media cover this story the media in the past would never do stuff like this and i'm like if you read like old-timey news stories about politicians they covered this shit this is like this is just the tabloid way that people cover like world leaders, like whatever, whatever. But apparently, it's it's evil. It's terrible. How da- how dare they? How dare they? How dare they? So that was that. And again, what, what am I supposed to say to that other than I don't care? He then has he on. He got a shitty haircut, though. <laughs> he oh, well, he does mention the shitty haircut, but like briefly, he does he he does mention it. Does he call it a shitty haircut? Does he express his opinion on the haircut? I think what he said was he thinks that the barber might have been a conservative. Because then that would explain why it does look goofy. That's kind of that's that's mainly all he says about it. But yeah. And I was like, that's not bad. That's that. You know what? Sure. I'll give it to you. One one funny comment. Imagine the joy of being like. You know, an extremely powerful politician or, like, business person sits in front of you while you have a pair of sharp scissors <laughs> and you just really fuck up their hair. <laughs> like, the feeling of satisfaction. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think I've told the story where I flipped Stephen Harper off and even that gave me satisfaction, yeah. It's a small choice, yeah. yeah. So imagine giving Stephen Harper a shitty haircut, like... For since I could retell it, once I knew I heard that Stephen Harper, this is when I lived in Cambridge, was speaking at I think it was the Armenian Center, or I, I think I could be wrong at the venue, but anyways, I knew where that was, and, it, and I had to go to the mall anyways, and it was near the mall, and I was like, I'll I'll just drive by 
and see if I see anything. And so I'm driving by and I see that they're outside of the venue taking like a picture and their backs are facing me, right? So I slam on my horn, like I honk the horn and Harper turns and we made eye contact. And I could tell like even like, you know, the Secret Service people are getting all like antsy because like here I am slamming on a horn. But I, I make eye contact with Stephen Harper and then I flip him the bird <laughs> and then he lowered his head in dejection. It's <laughs> like, yes. <laughs> he acknowledged the bird. That's all. <laughs> That's all I care about. So yes, uh, in short, uh, it would be satisfying to to cut his hair <laughs> poorly. So on the twentieth, oh, I just covered the twentieth. Oh, on the interview section, in the interview section, Ezra then talks with Joel Pollock, and Joel Pollock has not been on in a while. He used to be quite a frequent guest. I guess he's been busy or something. I don't know, but either way, he's back on. And they talk about absolutely nothing. They, the, I think the majority of what they talked about was how Joe Biden is like losing in the polls and how great Joe Manchin is. And they say that Joe Biden is losing in the polls because he's like pro-socialist. But I'm like, it has probably more to do with the fact that he seems absent, like he's not doing very much. That's it. But... Uh, they make it sound as well that like this means that the Republicans are losing or like going to win big or whatever. But like the polling is actually really weird on this. Biden's approval rating is super low, but like Republicans are polling low as well, in part because of the overturning of Roe v. Wade, but also because of the January 6th hearings uh, are at least starting to shake people up a little bit. So, you know, it's not looking good for either parties in this <laughs> in this moment. It's time for the greens, baby. Oh, my God. <laughs> the only other thing that they talked about was there's this clip that was circulating of Joe Biden speaking, and it sounded like he said he had cancer. And everyone was like, oh, my God, does he have cancer? When, like, he, he clarified almost immediately afterwards that what he meant was, like, he had previously had cancer. And in the context of the clip, it kind of makes sense. He once had a skin cancer of some kind that he got removed. It was like an easy thing to treat or whatever. But that's all he was commenting on. So they, they spend an inordinate amount of time of this episode speculating about whether Joe Biden currently has cancer. And uh, spoiler alert, he does not. <laughs> or does he? Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. So then we get uh, the July 21st episode, and Sheila Gunn-Reed is guest hosting. And this is because, I'll just bring it up now, I guess Ezra was covering a the Arthur Pawlowski trial, uh, which was like an appeal, it was in the appeal courts, and the judges, uh, event, like, they over they overturned some of the stuff they got charged for, and I, I'm guessing we're going to have to cover a bit of that next week, but that is where Ezra is in this moment. I... I was already starting to try to read to understand why it was overturned, and it seemed more of a technicality than anything, and so it, it looks confusing. But uh, if if it comes up next week, we'll get into it. But either way, some of the fines and stuff they they got their money back, uh, or or they don't have to pay them because they like sort of like scrapped it from the record or whatever because of like technicality bullshit. So 
But anyways, so for the next two episodes, Ezra's not here. Sheila is going to be the host for both of the episodes. And Sheila opens up her first show on Thursday by being angry that Indigo Books will not stock Andrew Lawton's pro-convoy book. And this is just like China and uh, how, how dare Indigo decide not to sell this book, especially... When Indigo also sells, did you know they sell Mein Kampf? So. I, I'm i also kind of surprised by that, considering how far right Indigo is. <laughs> like, they're a very conservative store. And like. But it's Angela. Like, They definitely host wor- <laughs> put worse shit on the shelves, like like worse modern stuff. I wonder if they just read it and were like, this is a bad book. <laughs> I wonder if it's just like... I wonder like who publishes it and if it's just like, you know, Andrew Lawton couldn't get into a major publisher and that publisher, you know, doesn't have a deal with Indigo and that's probably... A more likely reason yeah i know it's not um, a major publisher but like yeah i don't i don't know i didn't look into it i was just i could care less uh but yes yeah. uh, indigo is not carrying it for whatever reason but apparently it's because of china that we're now china in canada yeah? yeah yeah she then interviews roman baber and roman baber again is one of the uh conservative candidates that is running for the leadership of the Conservative Party. And he's been on the show before. He gave a full interview segment for Ezra. But this time he's back just to talk with Sheila because they've released some sort of like their policies. Now, they don't actually talk a lot about his policies. I think the only thing he says is like his main his main policy is that he's going to make Canada no longer a socialist country. And he's going to do it by getting rid of the milk subsidies. Because what makes Canada socialist is that we subsidize milk production. Sorry. His big pitch is... Let's get rid of the milk cartels. Destroying Canada's dairy industry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because it's what? socialist that we subsidize that industry. I, like, <laughs> yeah. Well, why? I cannot think of a position that like a conservative politician would be less likely to hold than to alienate the fucking dairy industry in this country. But they like what? They've been at war with the like a lot of the conservatives criticized Andrew Shear by like like by being too close to the dairy cartel. And there was that one thing where Andrew Shear like drank a carton of milk on stage and they've like, it's been like an ongoing thing. Like rebel has been constantly criticizing. So it's not surprising to me that like Roman Baber would come on rebel news to be against the, the dairy cartel. It's just like, but I agree with you. It just seems like, that is not a winning strategy. There's a reason why Andrew Shear bent the knee and drank the carton of milk. <laughs> yeah. You know. Like. <laughs> it's like coming out against wheat subsidies. Like, well, we need to stop giving money 
to our grain farmers and our oil companies. Again, he was against. That's a wi- <laughs> he was against socialism Canada, and the socialist Canada is any subsidies. Basically, he didn't mention wheat, but my guess is wheat is next after milk. You know, it's is we basically got to get rid of anything that we're doing to interfere with the economy in any way. We have to get rid of it because of a free market, baby. That's what we need. We need to rapidly proletarianize the dairy farmers. <laughs> Um, we need a revolutionary class of, of milkmen, milk workers, sorry. Milkers of the world unite. (laughs) (laughs) So there was one other question out of the rest of the interview that just like didn't need to be asked and then got really weird. Now, it's also worth just highlighting how Sheila asks the question, because I think it'll be relevant for their Friday episode. So I'm just going to play the clip. But uh, this is about the Uyghurs in China. And Sheila asks Roman whether he has any thoughts on this. You touched on the treatment of the Uyghurs in China. And there's some strong overlays between what's happening to the Uyghurs and the residential school system here in Canada that the liberals speak out. I think most people disagree with the treatment of uh, Canada's indigenous people in the residential schools. But right now in China, they are taking uh, Uyghur children, preventing them them from speaking their language, practicing their religion and taking away their Muslim names, basically sending them to these re-education schools for little children while their parents are off in the re-education camp and the forced slave labor camp. And we don't hear Justin Trudeau talking about this at all. He rightfully speaks out against anti-Muslim racism and bigotry in Canada and around the world. He invited the entire world to come to Canada when Justin, or I'm sorry, when President Trump imposed what the left called a Muslim ban with his immigration policy. But we don't hear about this systemic racism and genocide against this Muslim minority in China. Why do you think that is? So we'll pause there and then we'll get to Roman's response. But I see your shocked face, Fiedo, and I am too blown away by this. In part, for one, they constantly talk about how the indigenous thing is not a genocide. And yet she compared what's happening to the Uyghurs to the indigenous people here and called what's happening to the Uyghurs a genocide. That's point number one. (laughs) That she was like, oh... Justin Trudeau calling out anti-Muslim discrimination is good. Um, like, and then, like also, and then you know, yeah, Trudeau has called ban? out the Uyghur stuff a lot, but then brought up the Muslim ban, like, positively still? Well, it didn't sound like it was positive. It was more like she said, oh, but they criticize the Muslim ban, but they can't criticize what's happening to the Uyghurs. So does that mean that, like, it was good to criticize the Muslim ban? Because well, they promoted it on their show. She did say <laughs> Trump's, like, so-called Muslim ban. Like, saying, like, oh, like, it, it wasn't, wasn't really, really, like... Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, still downplayed that part a little bit. but Or downplayed it just in general. But, like... 
I'm just so confused about all of this. Like, it's weird. It's it, it's coming from they want to they want to so badly highlight this thing that's happening in China to fit their like China bad narrative, but it, it like their fixation on that is coming into conflict with all the other <laughs> shit that they say. Yeah. It is very weird. Yeah. That was, okay. Yeah. It was very, let's get into the response. It was very cause... inelegant. <laughs> but yes, this, I'll tell you right now, you do not know immediately where Roman's going to take this, but he's going to take it here. I think uh, Justin Trudeau is weak and, and lacks moral principles. Um, this is not the only issue on which he's hypocritical. But to go back to this issue, when every year um, we use the phrase never again, we should mean the words never again. And I am very hesitant to make all sorts of historical comparisons. Um, it's something that is very, very sensitive to many folks. But it's for that reason that we need to be open-minded and appreciate what is transpiring in China. And of course, we know that the only religion allowed in China is communism, which is, and so it's not new for them to oppress religious minorities. We know, for instance, the Falun Gong people, the Falun Dafa people, something that I take a considerable interest in, um, effective practice, a, a form of meditation with breathing, with uh, yoga techniques and, and some spiritual uh, enlightenment. And, and they have been oppressed and jailed since the early 90s in China. They have been uh, used uh, potentially in all sorts of uh, markets around the world that are just unthinkable. Yeah, he didn't touch on the like indigenous stuff, the like you know, Islamophobia within North American society stuff, like any of that. He was just like, ah, my brothers in the Falun Gong, my fascist my alien, alien racism cult, cult <laughs> my alien racism, fascism cult, uh, they're suffering. My people are suffering. They're being used in markets around the world for unspeakable <laughs> things. <laughs> what? <laughs> the, the only thing I can think of of what he meant when he said that was the claims that they're used for organ harvesting in China. Yeah. Because otherwise, what the fuck is he saying? <laughs> they're used in markets for unspeakable things. You're right, Roman. <laughs> Markets. <laughs> Markets are horrible. <laughs> uh, and I will say, the evidence about the organ harvesting is all over the place. My, I lean currently towards it's probably not happening. But I can't be convinced. But my, I'll tell you, my reason for thinking that the Falun Gong are not having their organs harvested is because I think there is actual evidence that they were abused by Chinese authorities in various ways. There's evidence that they were tortured in prison and so forth. And that evidence is very clear. And I would expect if we have that evidence and we have the evidence of the treatment of the Uyghurs, that it wouldn't be that hard to find like where they're secretly harvesting all these organs. And yet... That is not happening. We don't have that direct kind of evidence. And in fact, all the claims for there being the supposed like 
conspiracy is they'll go, they seem to be producing more organs than usual or other countries. Yet, like, other people look at other data and come to different conclusions by saying, well, like, it seems like that the Chinese authorities are ordering the proper amount of medicine for the clearly documented number of people who are getting organ transplants such that it wouldn't, like, the numbers don't match. So it seems like the, the documented number of people who are getting organ transplants by the Chinese government, they're, high, they're making the same amount of medicine to to accompany that. So it doesn't make sense that there would be this additional weird spike of organs that are floating around in this market. Uh, <laughs> So anyways, the, there's other people who have looked at this and the information is mixed. But uh, great that Roman Babber, who is, again, a COVID conspiracy theorist and against the lockdowns, is also thinking that these people are having their organs harvested. So, yeah. Wonderful. Wonderful. And again, like, I don't, I don't think it was justified for what the Chinese government did to some of the people in the Falun Gong, but also Falun Gong sucks. They are a fascist, racist cult that thinks that aliens somehow have something to do with their DNA. So, you know, fun. So I guess don't vote for me. <laughs> don't vote for Roman Payman. I don't think yeah, I do it. that, conservative <laughs> listeners. So now we're on Friday, okay? The Pope is on an apology tour to Canada. And Sheila decides to talk to Adam Seuss, their Catholic employee, about the Pope coming to Canada to apologize for what happened during the residential school system. The main thrust of like what they want to talk about is that they claim Trudeau wanted to look good by telling the Pope that he had to come and apologize even while Trudeau is doing nothing to actually help indigenous people. And at least for the second part of the argument, I agree. I agree Trudeau is doing nothing to help indigenous people. But I don't know if Trudeau's like has the conniving ability to go, you know what? I'm going to get the Pope to come and throw off all the scent off me. <laughs> Yeah, like, I don't know. It's one of those, like, yeah, it's all optics. Like, it's not... Nobody... None of these leaders are interested in helping anybody. It seems way more likely to me where, it's, where Trudeau's probably thinking, let's try to calm some of these people down by having the Pope apologize. Yeah. And also, like... My God... Of the Catholic nations in the world, you know, Canada doesn't break, like, the top 50, probably, right? Like, you know, maybe in terms of, like, you know, per capita income or whatever else, but in terms of, like, active churchgoers or, like, you know, like, active existing Catholic populations... Canada's not the important one. But I think there is a reason for why the Pope might still want to do this, which I think on top of the uh, sexual abuse scandals that have plagued the church, I do think that this story has hurt the reputation even like around the world. 
Yeah. I'll even just like say, I, I talked about earlier about the celebration of life that I had for my grandparents. And I know that just before my grandma was diagnosed with brain tumors, so uh, even before she started to have the, the very quick decline that she had near the end, that she didn't want, she changed her will to not want to have a Catholic funeral because she didn't like what happened uh, uh, during the residential school crisis in Canada and the fact that the church was not apologizing for it, Mm -hmm. which is why it was a celebration of life and not a funeral. So it was having an effect, you know. People did not like what the church was doing. Yeah, yeah. And like, you know, it is an opportunity for the church to try to like rehabilitate some of its image in this country and kind of everywhere else too because it's not and like you know under francis and his like within the context of the church progressivism you know like doing something like this is a pretty easy win right like It does. It probably won't cost a lot because I doubt the church is going to do anything. That Pope mobile costs gas, though. That's yeah, like <laughs> gas is high right now. <laughs> do they do they make the Pope pay for his own gas? <laughs> There's no way the host country is in like, nah, we got this. Like, do they bless the gas? It's not holy gas. Yeah. No. <laughs> There's no this holy gas Max. for the holy uh, holy Pope mobile. but yes either way he's come he's come to apologize and so their other argument though is they're like he shouldn't even have to do this because the catholic church was not responsible for the residential school system it was the government that was responsible yeah this is a huge deal one of my earliest memories is john paul ii coming to Edmonton um, and going with my my mom. And um, I think the reason for this trip spawns from a lie. And it spawns from Justin Trudeau attempting to abdicate liberal responsibility um, for the residential school problem. So um, the demand for Pope Francis, an elderly, sickly pope, to come across the world on this trip has to do with residential school discoveries, which, as it turns out, are not really discoveries at all. And then Justin Trudeau demanded that Pope Francis apologize for cultural genocide. And as you have an interview coming out with um, a priest who is of Indigenous descent, who says that this, the church did what the government asked them to do. So... Yeah, a priest is saying, oh, well, the church was just doing what the government asked us to do. We had... So you're going to listen to the priest <laughs> who's clearly biased? <laughs> but they're an indigenous priest, so it's a wash. You know, you got you got both sides in one. It just... <laughs> Not to do, like, the classic thing of, like, oh, I'm Mr. Nazi soldier. I was just following orders. <laughs> like, but, but isn't it true? I like to... You can't play the, like, it wasn't your responsibility game when you went, all right, we'll do it. (laughs) Yeah, it's also just like, oh, wow. Oh, well, the government said that I had to abuse these kids and then 
you know, bury hundreds of them at their school. You did do that. Like, <laughs> I'm sure some of the following orders is what caused some of the abuse. But or what I, what I mean is, like, I'm sure the government was saying, do this. And the things that they were telling them to do were abusive. But I'm saying it's not like that there's other aspects of the school system that wasn't, like, top-down directed for them to do that also did damage. So it's like you can't, like... Even by their, like, logic, it's like they, there was still, like, sexual abuse and other stuff that wasn't, like, dictated to happen that still occurred at these institutions, you know? And so it's like to, like, wipe it all away by saying, oh, it, it was the government just told them to do bad things. And it was specifically Trudeau Sr.'s response, <laughs> the Liberal Party of Canada's responsibility somehow. As if no other government has ever happened in the interim periods of the residential school system? Like, from their, like, stupid perspective, you know, to be fair, it was the Liberal Party who instituted the school system. The Conservatives did horrific things and then continued the school system. So, you know, it isn't a single-party problem. Um, and, you know, their better argument would, to be, would, to, would be to say, like, oh, that was a different party. You know, we have the same name as the, yeah. that conservative party. But <laughs> <laughs> that would be, like, the best getting out of it uh, response for them. Um but yeah, like, you know, you can't claim one party's sole responsibility, and you also can't claim, like, you know, one institution that did these as, like, singularly responsible either. Because, you know, yeah, the Anglicans also did it. The United Church also did it. They already apologized. You know, it is kind of just the Catholics that haven't done any... Uh, anything to like change i don't know like it's just so disingenuous to be like oh yeah these were all separate things and none of them were related or like you know there can only be one party with responsibility at the end of the day right like it's also weird because their next move is to say that like other popes have already apologized for this so we don't need another apology and there's elements in which, like, I don't think that they've had, like, a full-throated apology that, like, accurately describes what went on. Uh, but then also new information has come to light, right? So, like, there's other things to apologize for uh, that have since come to light, right? But then it's like, they're, they're also saying, so not only... They're also arguing that there is nothing to apologize for by making the argument that they're making, right? They're saying it was all the government's fault. There's nothing for us to apologize before. But also they already apologized. So, like, we don't need to have, like, another apology. That's a <laughs> It's just, like, really silly. Like, even if... Even if, like, some of the stuff we were saying before... Like, let's say in an imaginary world where, like, the the Catholics actually did nothing. But, like, there's some, like circumstantial evidence that might suggest so and then they, they wanted to come to improve their image to say sorry like why do we care why do we <laughs> let fucking apologize i don't give a shit you know it's become like such a big issue to them like my god 
They're making this my, poor, decrepit old man apologize. <laughs> that was the funniest thing to me. Like, oh, wow. This old, poor, sad pope. You know, there's <laughs> never been one older or less healthy. And they're popes, you know. They're so often young and healthy. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, the last two were the, the beacons of youthfulness, you know. <laughs> Just incredible. Yeah. So then we get into the denial phase of things. So I'll just play the most coherent segment. It's very short of just like a brief statement of the denial. And then it goes on forever, but I'm not going to clip the whole segment. So we'll just talk about it. But like this is like sort of like the brief statement by Adam Seuss of the denial. The amount of malice directed and and the redirect that the government's trying to do to point the finger um, at, at the church and single-handedly the church is, is political and it's dangerous. We saw uh, mass arson, vandalism, all of those things resulting from these faulty headlines that have now largely been debunked. So the, the arson, the, the stuff that was happening, because it was like churches being burned, which was like the main thing that they were covering, all stemmed, according to Adam Seuss, from these faulty headlines that have all since been debunked. Okay? Now, what he goes on to talk about is he's he gets a little bit clearer. He never does, like, he doesn't fully, like, it specific and specify things. But he mentions that, like, it turns out that one of these sites was actually an apple orchard and not a site at all. Now, what he's referring to there when he mentions that is the initial... Well, the sort of like initial in terms of like these recent discoveries that have sort of like set this whole process going, which was in Kamloops and was like under an apple orchard. And it was where they found uh, signals through ground penetrating radar of, I think, 215 bodies likely of children. Yeah. Now, he doesn't go into any detail for why these things are debunked. And the only place that I could find similar language that these things have been, quote unquote, debunked is, again, from a New York Post article, which takes largely from the work of someone named Tom Flanagan. Now, Tom Flanagan is someone who has been on Rebel before. He's a Fraser Institute person. And uh, I think as I start to describe him, you will remember this, uh, Vienno, but Tom openly argues in favor of colonialism he thinks that it was good, actually, because Western society is superior. He's also worked for the federal government as an expert witness in land claim cases, mostly siding against the indigenous communities. So he's constantly mm-hmm. denying all of their land claims. And more recently, oh, I should say none of those comments about indigenous people got Tom kicked off of media. He was still a host, or not a host, but a frequent contributor to the CBC, especially their Power and Politics show. However, in 2013, he was removed from the CBC and from other places. I think he's on a permanent leave now from his uh, uh, university position at the University of Calgary, because while Adelman Moore was protesting one of his events... He, they asked him a question about his uh, statements he had made back in 2009 about child pornography. And he says that uh, he, he goes, oh, I don't think child pornography is good, but you shouldn't be arrested or charged for looking at it. Uh, <laughs> and, no, I don't remember this at all. And uh, because of this, he, he now is sort of like 
ostracized by a lot of like mainstream media. However, Rebel News still allows him on the show, and this is clearly where Adam is getting uh, Adam Sues is getting his information for this debunked claim. Now, you would think Tom Flanagan making this case that this has been debunked. You would wonder, like, what evidence does Tom have? Mm-hmm. He doesn't have any. He he he's his claim is like we haven't seen an actual body yet, so therefore it wasn't. Uh, it's not real. It's debunked. Fake news. Gotcha. And then it's like, okay, but we have the ground-penetrating radar. Now, my guess is they'll say the ground-penetrating radar isn't true. It can have errors. And the it-can-have-errors part is true. However, like, the, the equipment they use is pretty robust. Uh, you know, you can compare it to other mass graves that have been found. And you can compare the traces, and they look similar. Like, this isn't uh, that hard to, to conceive that the scientists working on this stuff know what they're doing and can use this technology. But they'll just be like, oh, until we see the bodies. But my guess is even if they saw the bodies, they'd still go on to be like, oh, well, these were people who just died of natural causes. And therefore, it's normal and okay for the Catholic Church to just bury these bodies rather than giving them to their family to bury or something. You know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they can keep moving the goalposts. And that's always what's going to happen with genocide deniers. None of the information is going to be sufficient for them. They're going to keep moving the goalposts. But none of this has been debunked. Yep. This whole, the rest of the episode is all just them going like, there's no evidence that there's this new information. Like, I think earlier we played a clip where Sheila said that it's like, these these discoveries aren't even new information. And it's like, no, they're new information. You know, we didn't know they were buried there before, and now we do. That is, by definition, new information. But it's like, they want to pretend like it's not happening. Meanwhile, she asked the day before, she talked about the indigenous community to Roman paper, talking about how this is what we did to indigenous people at residential schools is similar to what's happening to the Uyghurs in China. And yet in this episode, they spend most of their time just denying that uh, it's genocide at all. Yeah. Uh, I did find another article casting doubt on it from uh, Terry Glavin? Catholic News Agency. Oh, okay. That does... Um, it does talk about Car- Terry Glavin and um, a, oh, what was the guy's name? Uh, Jacques Rouillard. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, who's Professor Emeritus in the Department of History at the University of Montreal. So What Emeritus, kind of history does so, he do? Uh, unknown. Let me tell you, it has nothing to do with indigenous stuff. <laughs> He is a specialist in the history of workers and workers oh, union stuff. Yes. in syndicalism and unions, yeah, in Quebec. Right. Quebec workers' unions, but he's commenting on ground-penetrating radar, which is not even a historical field. It's an archaeological field. Like, why is he, ta- like, why is he talking about this? You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it's like it's just it's this industry of and and so Terry Glavin again he used the Tom Flanagan and this Renault guy as like the two sources and they're just like that's your sources to deny that this is genocide just two fucking random idiots one who who's yeah. been ideologically biased his whole fucking life and the other who just seems to be some random historian in Quebec yep sounds about right love it Love it. Thank you, Rebel News, for being such incisive uh, 
researchers here. So, uh, yeah. Pope it up. <laughs> I, I, you know what? Apologies to the Pope. Because, uh, I mean, he's so old and fragile. And uh, you, you, don't, you know when you're old? Saying you're sorry just destroys your well-being. You it like it's like it's like you're in an RPG. It like it's like minus two health every time you say sorry. I'm just picturing uh I'm just picturing the Pope hitting a pothole the Pope mobile hitting a pothole <laughs> and he just like his bones just shatter yeah. into pieces. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I thought he was blessed by God. <laughs> yep. Um, no, really, I don't care. F- fuck the Pope. <laughs> Unless, you know, if you're a Catholic listener and you made it this far. Elect what are you a new doing? <laughs> Come on. Get out come, there and Come vote. get your boys. <laughs> Shit sucks out there, y'all. Uh, I don't really have anything, like, fun to read right now. Um, but I do have an article about how um, the food bank in our city is really struggling with the increased need. Uh, and also the donation link to said food bank, because they can buy a lot more food with money than they can with uh, shitty canned beans or whatever. Um, so if you got some spare funds, help people in our city eat, because, um, like I said, shit's rough out there. Yeah. Um, yeah. I would say, I'll just mention this just to, as a, a nice story. And I told, Vienna and I had dinner the other night, which was really nice, but uh, I told them the story already. But there was, there's this, uh, a bunch of people throughout town, they they panhandle on the street corners. And like, randomly, I went for a walk the other night. And some, one of one of the panhandlers was uh, uh, a woman who had a dog on the corner. And another woman came up and had a suitcase just full of food that she gave this person. And like, I just happened to walk by as this was happening. And I was pleasantly surprised that they they weren't doing like an Instagram story or like <laughs> weren't trying to highlight the good that they were doing. And so I was just like, you know what? Some kind, selfless gestures. And so like, uh, nice nice move to that stranger. And uh, I I at least uh, being that person uh, who received the gift and uh, me watching it at least appreciated what they did. So. Uh, yeah. So similar, be be as cool as that person and and donate to your food bank because uh, yeah, they they really are struggling. So yeah, that or give homeless people cash. Like yep. that's it. That's always the easiest and most direct solution to help them. Um, if you aren't engaged in some sort of like encampment struggles or anything yourself to like make sure that they have places to sleep um 
yeah, a new initiative recently started in town, which is really wonderful to see. Um, that is uh, the the forgotten 519, because 519 is our local area code. Um, you know, calling on the city to act better to make sure that people are housed and fed and everything like that. Um, so, you know, if you've got a local org in your city, go join it, go help out, go, like, do your best, because, yeah, things, things are bad, and they don't seem to be getting better. So, it's only when you are acting in a group that things have the possibility of getting better. But in order for that to happen, you actually have to go out and do shit, so, go do shit, that's it. That's the message. Go do shit. I agree. And, uh, you know, after you've donated some food or and or cash to other people who need it, uh, and you want to give it to some other people who need it, uh, you can contribute to our Patreon over at patreon.com slash imperial news. If you want to stay informed about what we're doing, you can also find us on Twitter at Imperial News of the Z. We have a Discord set up. We do Twitch streams. Uh, we did do Twitch streams. I might start it up again soon. Uh, but you can find uh, all the links to that and some of our YouTube stuff over on the show notes. We have all the links down there. And lastly, you can email us any question at imperial.fake.news at gmail.com. Special thanks to my friend Mason Tickle for the transition beats. You can find his work at masontickle.com. And thank you for listening. And Catholicism. You Luthered. You're... No. Uh-uh. That's not... <laughs> nope, that is not better. You... Nope. You're... That is, if anything... Your ninety-five thesis Nope. <laughs> Was it ninety-five? If you think the if you think the Catholics were bad to Jews, you do not want to talk to Luther. You're Calvinized. No, nope. <laughs> that's even. <laughs> you're just escalating things. <laughs> you're. <laughs> you're. Homobile get potholed. <laughs> Come on, help me out! Help me out! Man. <laughs> help me out! United Methodist. Uh, that's kind of all I got. Yeah, but really. those names um, sound boring. You're united in it. Get Quakered. <laughs> you're Quakered. You're, you're Quakered out. You're Quakered yeah. out. You've been oatsed. Albumbia, Albumbia, how lovely are your wheat fields?